All right, all right. Welcome back. And thank you for finding the Conservative Hippie Podcast. I started a new series within this podcast. I am hosting a Telegram chat, a live chat, every Wednesday night at 7.17 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Indecent Disclosure platform on Telegram. So uh, a link will be in the show notes so you can find it. Uh, Every Wednesday night we're going to be doing this, and it's a live conversation. It's a chat. Uh, So I'm going to be recording those and then releasing them uh, on the Conservative Hippie Podcast. So this is the first one. Um, I've already recognized the audio is a little shaky. It's not the high quality you're used to at the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Uh, so as I get used to this platform and I start to figure out the ins and the outs of it, I hope the audio quality will get better. Um, but we're dealing with uh, other people. It's live on Telegram, so some people's mics are a little higher than others. And um, I, it, I might take some time in the future to go through it and adjust all of the audio levels. But sometimes when people talk at the same time, I notice there's some spiking. So it is what it is. But here it is. This is the inaugural uh, Telegram voice chat hanging with Hippie on the Indecent Disclosure platform on Telegram. Again, a link will be in the show notes so you can find it. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for joining. Now that I now that I've now that I understand I am being heard, I've got a couple things uh, to start the chat off with um, that I've kind of organized uh, things that we're all kind of dealing with, and some things that I've developed throughout the years that I try to adhere to as we're taking this information firehose, as I call it, straight to the face, straight to the dome. Um, something recently has come up where it's illustrated the team aspect of um, information and the drawbacks of it. And that would be uh, Lynn Wood versus Mike Flynn. And when it comes to this head, when you see conflict between two people that are, oh, I don't know, let's call them stars or influencers, um, and we're following, it. there's a predisposition, there's you're almost forced into picking a particular side. Like I'm on team Wood, I'm on team Flint. And I think it's so important to avoid any of that and just always seek the verifiable information. Um, So for example, I know a lot of people are on team Wood. He seems like a very honest and forthright gentleman, 100%. And I would agree with that, Um, but he's a bit kooky. He's a bit of a religious nut, right? Um, let's just think if he was, uh, why, if somebody's a hardcore Christian that uh, does Bible verses all the time, that's no different than a hardcore Muslim that uh, constantly talks about Allah. Um, so you kind of have to take that information from his perspective. I know that I've recently, he has uh, endorsed in some ways Timothy Holmseth, who I've gone down the rabbit hole of investigating that character. And I don't quite um, believe that Linwood necessarily meant to do that. He's talked about CGI 
and 9-11 and how the planes were CGI. I don't believe that. I think that that's poppycock. So when I think of Lynn Wood, I think of a very honest, straightforward, nice gentleman that means well. But I also think that he's uh, just as susceptible as anybody else to an idea virus, to getting some misinformation and opening up his big mouth. And he does always say, uh, use your own discernment and verify. Now, on the other hand, you've got Michael Flynn, who always seems to say the right thing. And he's propped up as this political figure. He was jailed by the cabal and certainly went through some trials. Um, we all remember when he did his little cue pledge of his allegiance with his family. And that was very interesting. And so you're like, this guy, Flynn, he's on our side. But then he doesn't speak out about the um, political prisoners from January 6th, which maybe not all of them are political prisoners, but certainly some of them, maybe half of them, maybe most of them are. Um, and he didn't do a lot of speaking out about that. In his past, uh, Flynn Intel Group, ties to Turkey, that's often people don't dig into that because they just assume Mike Flynn's this great guy. So through illustrating this recent example of this, these camps, I'm on Team Wood, I'm on Team Flynn, it's important that we don't get onto a particular team because we might miss good information coming from over here because we, we all of a sudden decide all that information is bad. And also when we're on a team, like say we're on Team Lynn Wood, he might give us some information that he doesn't mean to, but it's disinformation that he's uh, giving out once in a while. And so I think the broader theme here is perspective and that we all need to recognize that we have our own perspective. And when we're assessing the information that comes in, we have to also take a look at the perspective of who's giving us the information. And so often people don't do that. Um, I know if you're in this channel, you're most likely have the proclivity to call mainstream media the mockingbird media, right? And you have neighbors and you have friends and maybe you have family members that think that the information that comes to them because it was broadcast by the mockingbird media is more sound than the investigative journalist who just has a blog, right? And we all know that's not true. And we, you have to see perspective and you also have to see your own perspective. I'm going to open it up if anybody's got something that they want to say or they have a story about taking this information fire hose to the face and how they dealt with maybe finding disinformation in a trusted stream um, of information. That's great. Uh, that's kind of the opening I wanted to start with, main, mainly about forgiveness and about forgiving yourself, because I think every one of us has uh, retweeted or forwarded a meme that was misinformation. And it's hard. It is a minefield these days of misinformation on both sides, both good and bad. Um, and it's so it's it's very difficult to, to, to get through to truth. I see that um, I see that MJ is in the house, the owner and proprietor of uh, indecent disclosure. Thank you for hosting us tonight, MJ, and providing this platform. She's actually she's here, but she can't talk because she's trying to get Jessa to sleep. So, but oh, uh, we we all have family, isn't that sweet? Perfectly yeah. understandable. Got to take care of that. Um, yeah. Mike, I see, is in here. I know Mike from many Telegram chats that we've had. A very um, forthright 
straightforward person. Mike, do you have a story about uh, information, disinformation, and, and, and sifting through it, the struggles? No, not necessarily. Thank you for uh, calling out. Uh, I appreciate a good show. You know, I, I with regard to the uh, Flynn and Lynn Wood situation, it it seems like that's relatively, I don't know, superfluous. I, 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 I haven't seen like a whole lot of relevance to the back and forth lately. I mean, Lynn, Lynn was the first to come out and say some of the wildest stuff like like Pence should be hung for treason and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, he's always been on the cusp of he'll he'll say it even though other people are thinking it definitely. Um, and I wouldn't put myself in one camp or the other to be candid. Don't don't know enough at this point. I don't think. That's a, uh, you you brought me to a good thread. Um, so with Lynn Wood, there was at a, there was a time when there were the quote unquote Lynn Wood whistleblower tapes. And there was an anonymous figure at, at this particular point in time. Um, somebody put a video out and said it was James Clapper, but that clearly it was not. It was a very strange audio tape that was released. Then it came out that it was Dr. John McGreevy, um, AKA John here to help, AKA Ryan Dark White, um, AKA John, Dr. John McGreevy. And so, when I was doing my podcast and I came upon these Linwood whistleblower tapes, I didn't act on it. I listened to them. They were so hyperbolic in the information that they had that because it was anonymous, I thought that I was going to wait and see what happened before I would put it on my podcast or report on it. Then when Dr. John McGreevy came out and it became a real person attached to those tapes and he stood behind them and said that his testimony was um, accurate and verifiable and a real person was standing behind it, that became so much stronger as evidence. And I did report on it at that time. And so um, to, to that point and its association with Lynn Wood, Lynn Wood was just the facilitator. Lynn Wood was willing to step out there and share this as anonymous information. And then Dr. John McGreevy had to come out stand up and say, yes, that was me. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with the, the Linwood whistleblower tapes, the tapes of John McGreevy testifying. It's unclear how he was testifying. He's being questioned by somebody. It seems that he's, um, it's a deposition of some kind. And he straight up says that uh, Vice President Mike Pence is a pedophile and had a homosexual relationship with a minor. And uh, in a recent, uh, not a recent, but uh, in an ensuing interview, um, Dr. John McGreevy actually came out and said um, that it's verifiable and they know the person. And he said um, the person's name was Jeremy. Um, probably not Jeremy that's in our particular voice chat tonight, uh, but a Jeremy. And he says he knows where he's located. So what a wild world we're living in where somebody can come out and say that the vice president at one point uh, was a pedophile and that he names names and knows who the person is. So again, as somebody might say, oh, that's disinformation. I agree that we had to be very careful with it when it was anonymous, but then there's a guy standing up. He's running for Congress right now in Maryland, a real person standing behind it. So 
why what's frustrating then is I appreciate that our Mockingbird media hasn't touched it, but why hasn't any law enforcement officials, why hasn't the Department of Justice, why haven't um, anybody else done anything with this information? Because uh, that was just one bit of salacious information that Dr. John McGreevy had. He was a part of what he calls the Dirty Trick Squad, um, which is uh, Rod Rosenstein, as he says it, um, Sean Bridges, um, Sean Henry. Um, uh, one of them was a Secret Service agent. One of them was, I believe it was FBI. Um, and I believe uh, Sean Henry is now the head of Strike Force, if I'm getting that right, uh, Clear Force, Strike Force. Uh, I'm getting my MMA confused with my political. Somebody could chime in if they want to help me out with that one. The words just aren't coming to my head. Um, the the cyber team, the cyber company um, that was in charge of cleaning up the DNC emails um, that the FBI didn't even take um, possession of because it was this tech company. Well, Sean Henry, I believe, is the CEO of that company at that particular time. Is that CrowdStrike? CrowdStrike, thank you. Strike Force. Strike Force was an MMA organization. CrowdStrike, thank you, Mike. Um, and so we're all left. And then we go down these wormholes, right? And that's what's so enticing when you come across somebody that says they have secret information. And uh, this information that Dr. John McGreevy has um, is actually being acted upon. And uh, Pence is already in jail and he's been at Gitmo. And the person who's playing Pence right now is a clone or in a mask, right? So all of a sudden we can start going down all these rabbit holes and it's it's so hard to keep your bearings because it doesn't make sense. The, the world doesn't make sense. And so we just have to come together and try to maintain our cool, maintain our objectivity, seek not or not only our own perspective but the perspective of others um and if you have something to say please you know feel free to raise your hand I actually uh trying to open this up to anybody uh who wants to uh chime in but that brings me to another um example of perspective uh from a recent spat another one of these uh team situation that comes out um patrick Berge and Tor uh, terpshore mares uh, tori says um, all of a sudden there's become camps where it's like Team Tory or Team Bergy. And I think, as Mike said, that there's a lot of superfluousness uh, surrounding Team Flynn versus Team Wood. Uh, the same thing is going on with um, Tory and Bergy, where if you just see things from their perspective, you can see that they're both right. That, you know, from a, from a 50,000 foot view then, you can see that Berge had his very specific information. He had his key tam. He is absolutely a whistleblower. Um, he was in an organization that created a lot of these psychological psychological operations that are now turned on us. And whereas Tori is out here leading us now, she clearly has a, a an umbrella, a canopy of information that goes beyond Berge's one part. So you can kind of see from Berge's point, he's just jumping up and down about his part, me, me, listen to my information. Whereas Tori is like, well, that's one part of it, but there's a, a larger canopy of information here. And so you get hurt feelings, you get people who are human, 
and people get upset and they throw a tantrum. And it doesn't necessarily mean one person's bad or one person's an infiltrator um, and one person's holistically good. You know, both of these people uh, did bad things in their past. Tori's a swamp monster. Uh, if we're to believe and we're to uh, trust the current narrative, she is now our swamp monster working on behalf of us. Uh, Bergie is a whistleblower. Well, before he was a whistleblower, he clearly says, and he doesn't say it with much remorse, that he was instituting psychological operations on other countries and affecting their elections. I'm sorry, but that's not being good. And I, and I don't hear that. So my main point is through perspective, you can kind of see through the eyes of their particular um, perspectives. And sometimes this whole camp situation that, that sends us on teams um, isn't necessary. You can say, oh, everybody's right. Now let's move on. What's the next, what's the next operation? What's the next thing we're doing to try to save our country? Um, and, and that's kind of the main way that I try to approach this information is sourcing, verification, and perspective. Um, just look at what they did to President Trump, whether you like him or dislike him. Um, so many people were fooled by the Mockingbird media and wrap-up smears for years. And it was ridiculous the way that organizations like Vanity Fair, that I believe has direct ties to the Council on Foreign Relations, um, they would come out with an article, and it was quite quite salacious articles. One of the one of the most recent ones, even though it's in the past, was where President Trump said that as he passed over the World War I memorial. He said that they were a bunch of losers. And as with every hit piece against Trump, they all start from an anonymous source. And so us in the truther community and in the patriotic community would, would clearly see this. And it would get frustrating because that was just the 25th anonymously sourced hit piece against Trump. And yet our neighbors who didn't like Trump just continue to gobble, gobble up all of this disinformation because it's coming from their quote unquote mainstream news sources. And I, I tried to combat that because I have a lot of friends who are, uh, do not like Trump, Biden voters even. And I would try to ask them, you know, to look at the sourcing and see that it's anonymously sourced. And they would struggle with that, or they would just change the subject to their latest hyperbolic attitude towards Trump, like he's a megalomaniac or he's very selfish. Um, so it was always very, I'm sure all of us in this room have had a hard time at one point or another defending Trump and trying to break through to people. But this disinformation doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't flow one way. And I want to give an example that might be personal to a lot of people and hard to hear. Um, but I was talking with uh, some, some other people in a, in a Telegram chat the other day, and it had to do with disinformation within the uh, Q operation. Uh, within the truth seekers community. And that is um, something that Sidney Powell has actually um, quoted. I've heard Eric Prince uh, in a Breitbart inter interview quote this, and yet I have never found an original source to it. And that is the quote that the New York City police officers that came across Anthony Weiner's laptop were physically ill the storyline that that they were so upset 
that they were going to take moves and have a press conference and press charges if the Department of Justice didn't do anything. Well, I think we all need to recognize that that was four years ago. It was four years ago. And it was, and, and when it, at the time it was quoted, it was uh, a matter of weeks away. And I've tried to chase this down, this um, quote from somebody in the NYPD that they uh, said grown men cried. Uh, people were sick when they looked at the information. You've probably heard the, the, the title of the folder on uh, Anthony Weiner's laptop called insurance, right? Insurance policy or whatever it was called. How much of that was disinformation that maybe we gobbled up at the time because that fit our narrative of what we wanted to hear? All right, we've got a bunch of people in the chat. Um, I could I could keep going and going, but this is meant to be a chat and a discussion. Um, so I'm just curious if it's Mike Kenny, if it's Susan, if it's Debbie, if it's nothing is what it seems. If anybody has their own story or uh, something that they've dealt with, something that they've come across, maybe a story of where they went to verify something and uh, they actually ended up um, discrediting the information, uh, the the line that they were following. And I don't see anybody raising their hand. I, I can go. I can go into the next one. Um, sometimes, it, I, I, through perspective and seeing my own perspective, I wonder, and I can't really answer the question. If somebody came to me and said, "Well, when did you wake up?" That that term, awaken, right? And I don't even know if I am fully awake at this point. It just seems like it's a process, and. I can't go back to a particular point in time. I remember uh, touring colleges with my uh, adult children when they were in high school. And it was popular at the campuses that somebody would always have a Bush did 9-11 poster in their window. And 9-11 was sketchy. I remember back in the 90s having a videotape. Uh, it was almost like an underground documentary on the lies surrounding the Waco, Texas siege. Um, and knowing that that was a lie. Um, Ruby Ridge, you know, uh, you go back, you can go back further uh, for people that are older than myself. And there was the church committee in the 70s. Um, and where, where all the things like MK Ultra and the Mockingbird, Operation Mockingbird came out. And it puzzles me sometimes that people are shut down through their truth, in their truth seeking by uh, gatekeepers as if those things don't exist and they do exist or as if those things those programs by the cia stopped in the 70s when the church commission came out and they clearly didn't and we clearly have questions and now if we look at it 9 11 is now 20 years in the past that's two decades two decades and we see the figures that were involved in the uh, 9 11 Commission. We see the Robert Mullers, uh, those those characters who also, um, I believe it was uh, Bob Mueller who um, said that there were, he was in the FBI and said that there was weapons of mass destruction verified in Iraq. And I struggle with how more people aren't seeking truth. And I, I try to see from their perspective, and they're busy. 
and they've uh, carved out a good life within this within this matrix within this uh, economical structure that we have and they don't necessarily want to go looking they don't want to open the closet door for fear of seeing the ghosts and the skeletons in the closet and that's that's a tough job for all of us to try to get our neighbors to be more brave to look into the closet and i don't know when i started it could be that i was always peeking in the closet and it just seems like since trump came along i voted for trump he was the first republican i actually voted for for president i generally vote republican locally but in presidential elections in the past um, i've always uh, cared for the democrats more um, and trump was the first republican i voted for because i saw him like a grenade like throwing a grenade into this uh into this political room this structure that was created this bureaucratic structure and boy boy did i get that and instead of people waking up and actually seeing things going well that were done in the opposite of the way they had done in the past and the transparency in which everything was done that's when i that's when i really noticed the mockingbird media and that's pro probably the most scary aspect that i've become awakened to is the information fire hose and how a few people are in control of it i know in the 90s there was a small group of people and you know as we were uh coming to grips with the truth and looking around um that's about as far back as i go of where people were pointing out the small group of uh uh industrialists that were in charge of our media but we always saw people that were trying to break through it seemed like and seeking truth and it seems that by the trump by the time trump came to the presidency it's almost like the complete takeover was done because you could see the lies go out um my one example is my uh, browser that i like to use uh, use chrome and my home page is yahoo and i'm old that dates me right there so uh, at least it's not aol all right but but yahoo is my home page i open up yahoo i have the yahoo email address and i've gotten a lot of my news throughout the years for the last two decades just from checking out my yahoo homepage. well i could not believe the fallacious and biased stories that would come out on yahoo homepage. i almost it almost became fun for me to open it up each day to see the latest lies and i could clearly see through you could click on the articles and there was generally an anonymous source that was behind the article and you could see the way it's crafted and it's always disturbed me that my neighbors my friends my family they couldn't see that and i don't know one of the things that i would uh, propose you know, as we as we're discussing about sifting and, and fighting information disinformation and this information fire hose is that i think in all of our busy lives i think a lot of us became adept at reading headlines and getting the gist of articles and not really reading the articles word for word and not clicking on a source of information or uh, uh the the basis of the art the information in the article uh we just skim scroll right skim and scroll whether we're on social media or on a news feed we're just scrolling and we can't help but see those headlines and i often found 
when I would check out these uh, propagandist headlines and articles on Yahoo, that the article would generally discredit their own headline. If you just had to read it carefully enough, it would be obvious the trick they would use with a statistic or uh, they, the anonymous source. And they would often have um, exonerating evidence within the article. Uh, almost like that that was a rule of theirs that they could put whatever they wanted in a headline, but uh, they had to um, be as close to the truth as possible when they were typing. Then then in the end, it just seemed like at the end of the Trump presidency, uh, it was a full-blown operation where um, uh, magazines like Vanity Fair that never had any real political swag uh, credentials, uh, all of a sudden they would put out an article and it would get merchandised by all the other mocking media, uh, mockingbird media outlets like CNN, MSNBC. It became you could almost see this circular reporting um, in live time as as one play. They would almost uh, trade off. You, today's your day for the article, and then they would all report on that particular article. And so our, we have to almost look with empathy to our neighbors and our family members. They're still trapped they're still trapped. They're living their lives. They're going to soccer matches. They're going to church. They're going to volunteer because these are good people. We know they're not bad people. They're just trapped and they're still skimming and scrolling and reading the headlines and the headlines are set right up to verify the thing that they know that Trump is bad. Trump is a bad guy. What about that one tape where he said that uh, the women would just let him grab him by the pussy? They just let me. And it's like, yep, what a terrible tape that was. But is that the totality of all the evidence ever for Donald Trump? And as most of us know, no, no, that's not. So I'm going to take a drink of my water and take a little break. Um, I really do appreciate you guys joining us on this particular chat. It is intended to be a chat. So if anybody wants to chime in, I think I've done a good job of... Uh, of of unmuting everyone so if you want to unmute your mic and speak please uh share a story or ask a question challenge a topic maybe uh we are we are free speech here as long as you keep it on topic and you keep it polite and nobody is going to censor you hello everyone oh hello uh, mj hey yes i got my child to bed before 10 p.m miracles have been happening Every day. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, you're doing a great job, Jay. I just, you're a very good speaker. So I love listening to you talk. And normally you say a lot of things that are on my mind. And so sometimes that's why I don't chime in. And that's probably why you have a podcast, because you're good at it. Um, but I was sort of in the middle of a Tory show yesterday. Um, so I know you were sort of discussing Tory and Bergie just for a moment. Um, and I totally back what you said. Uh, I'm just backtracking and back up what you say about that situation there. Um, and same thing with the Flynn and the Lynn situation. Um, it's a lot of noise. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I mean, if we're all in here for the same mission, why can't we just kind of put it aside and come together? It just, it's always blown my mind why that's so difficult. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I don't know of nor understand, but we need to maybe be the example to them. Um, there's more of us than them. And by them, I mean like, you know, whatever you want to call them, good guys. 
um, even if they may have their differences. So, you know, it just frustrates me because it's like, you know, the people that are supposedly making the biggest impact or maybe have the biggest, you know, sort of names or faces out there, they are doing the biggest disservice to this entire mission. Yeah, it's so a good I point. And, and, and as uh, leaders, this is a, this is a bottom up organization. And as we're on the bottom and we're leading, um, having a cool temperament and um, taking the data and avoiding the noise, avoiding the drama is so important because in some ways that's the psychological operation is getting people whipped up um, into dramatic scenarios where they lose sight of what the original conversation was about. Um, and if we're gonna get through this, we have to stay on topic, we have to stay on target. Um, one of the other things I was thinking of for this particular chat um, is psychological operations, psyops. It's become, it's become that, that new word, that it phrase that a lot of people have been throwing out there. And the way that I look at psychological operations and, and within uh, the social media platforms and looking at influencers and the way that they garner groups of people um, as I look at it as content marketing, uh, I'm a business owner and I'm a retailer and content marketing is very important. And um, so I'm very adept at content marketing in this day and age. And so what they're doing is they're taking an idea virus, what, what, I, what I dub an idea virus, they're throwing something out there. Um, then that gets picked up. Maybe it's by bots, and then the bots all of a sudden aggregate real people that don't realize it's bots that's engaging in the chat. Um, and the influencers then pick it up and chime in on it. Well, next thing you know, you're not verifying the original idea virus, you're participating in the discussion of it as if it's a thing. Um, I don't know, I'm doing this on the fly nothing's like written out. So I don't know if that was a good way of explaining it um, because these are very complex. You know, we do need to forgive ourselves because these are very complex topics when we see, you know, we're, we're, we're parents, we're business owners, we're, we're just people. For us to try to understand the way that AI and the bots work and who and who doesn't necessarily, um, I've, I've often said, I would just like to, if I was going to infiltrate a group I would love to infiltrate in a way that I found the mechanism for which you could buy a robot farm, a bot farm to help you influence. Because I haven't seen it. And so is it some sort of secret password? Is it at a speakeasy, you know, in some town or, or some internet website uh, where they do? But we've all clearly seen people that have bots. I've, I've seen bots um, help. They work in different ways as well. It's all about engagement. So sometimes an influencer might have a bot that comes in and says mean stuff about them, but it's all about that getting people whipped up and engaged. I can't tell you how many times a popular person has made a tweet and I've gone to the replies and one of the top replies is a bot. And then you can just see how many comments and people are starting to argue. Well, it works both ways. That can work to um, cut somebody's legs out from under them if they send a bot army in to um, discredit them. 
but also the way I've seen it and the way I've started to understand it is almost like controlled opposition where you have the bots come in and they say mean things, but it generates, uh, they say mean things in such a hyperbolic way that people then come to defense and argue. Um, again, if I were to think about this and write it down, I'd probably, it'd probably come out of my mouth uh, in a much more organized way. But I try to look at the psychological operations like content marketing. And that might help you um, if you're familiar with content marketing um, or even marketing in general might help you kind of understand it and take a step back and try to gain that perspective to see them. Um, the ways that I look for bots, um, because I, I think I've become pretty good at it and the bots have actually evolved. But, you know, whenever you go on and you see a comment and it's, you know, some, some anonymous avatar, um, they, you know, if they're, if they're a patriotic bot, you know, they've got all the right emojis and all the right sayings, you know, patriotic mom, this and that. And then they have like 40 or 70 followers and they're following like 700, 500. Their follower to following is really off. And then I kind of go and I look um, at the replies and I look at their actual posts because generally when you scroll enough on somebody's feed, you can, you can get the gist of a real person. And so that's one technique I use. Now, one thing I've said, one thing I will say is that they've become even better lately. I've seen them using real pictures of real people and accounts that I swear are bots um, are using. Can I interrupt really quick, Jay? Yeah. Are you ahead. talking about those numbers being on Twitter? Is that what you were yes, talking on Twitter. about? That, that platform? Okay. That's okay. Yes. Just making sure. I, I, I'm still, and uh, this, this chat is going out on Telegram. So everybody in here is on the Telegram platform. I also advertise it on Twitter. So maybe we might get some friends of mine from Twitter, but uh, I haven't been on Telegram long enough to understand it as a platform and how bots work on Telegram. I'm mainly speaking about Twitter. Um, and they've gotten so much better at it, where it actually looks like a real person. It has a real person's photograph. Or do you ever do you ever notice um, a lot one uh, for one year uh, the bots that came out? They would always have kind of blurry photos, and you'd be like, God, I wouldn't use this photo, you know, of myself and my avatar. I, I noticed that as a um, telltale sign to look for it as a bot. Um, then even if they aren't bots the the nature of twitter in some ways where uh people can create anonymous accounts i really don't like i'm i'm against that i do get i do understand people's anonymity but you might see where they follow eight and they've got 17 followers but somehow they're at the top of the replies and they've got a lot of replies that's another sign to me that it's some sort of paid bot even if even if when i say bot in this case i'm talking about a person who's paid to be the bot uh, with alternate accounts. Because as we know, and we've heard stories, there are people with uh, numerous accounts. Um, and so, yeah, the way I started that was talking about the psychological operations and bots and the way that sometimes they manufacture um, engagement, right? Manufacturing engagement is so important. And then once that, once that process starts and they get enough of them, maybe a bot is going to say something hyperbolic and then another bot is going to argue a back or come in defense. It's almost like a way 
that it brings people into the discussion and enhances the original uh, person on Twitter's profile, if that makes sense. Makes makes it appear that they've got more people engaging than they do. Has anybody okay. ever- Quick question. Yes. Um, and maybe a dumb question, but maybe not. Would a bot ever be able to come into a chat like this and not, I mean, not saying speak, but just sit, I mean, hypothetically, or that, is that not something on Telegram? You probably don't know that, do you? Or Jeremy, I think do you know that? That's a better question for Jeremy. I think uh, Jeremy yeah, or watching and waiting. Yeah, it's possible. Okay. MJ, I was just wondering. Yeah. Hey. Can I hop? Hey, can I hop in? Because I, I can kind of shed some insight yeah. just from my experience running of the course. TS Illinois group. Um, so I think that the the bot system on Telegram, I would argue. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily more sophisticated but i guess just because like i got so used to seeing what twitter was it was just a very interesting observation when migrating over to telegram um but to answer your question there's absolutely i wouldn't say the i'd say the lurkers are not they're not bots in the sense of ai bots per se they might be they could be they could be aggregating running scripts on keywords to pull messages and keep them kind of in surveillance files um you could also have people who's being whose job is to and they're being paid as assets to sit in a chat and you know either monitor or similarly interject to derail conversations i can tell you for a fact that that was happening in ts illinois um probably in the early spring, um, it happened again in the summer. It was like every time we would get a lot of momentum um, about any particular, you know, action item we were working on. It was like clockwork that, you know, we'd get a mass group of subscribers because um, you can see the analytics in Telegram now. Um, and then we would get just a bunch of infighting because people would come in and say controversial things get people ruffled up, you know, hit trigger points, pressure points, um, and really just slide the conversation kind of similarly to what you would see like on 8kun or, you know, 4chan um, and Reddit and things like that. Like, you know, people coming in and strategically manipulating the conversation. And also because Telegram is the way it, it's a very condensed platform, like in the sense of like the channel is it's one dimensional you know, you've got chats that if there's like 500 people on a channel, you know, that chat. And if you've got a bunch of bots that are pushing certain conversation points, it's very, very difficult to actually engage in the meaningful conversation. And it's much, much easier to get people to go off the rails and people just disengage, go to a different channel and game over. You're messing well, right, which you. also, yeah. sorry, gives importance to what we're doing every week, at least in TS Illinois. Uh, meeting in person because, you know, I mean, yes, everyone has to be safe, but transparency is definitely underrated nowadays. I mean, those of us, I mean, there's a lot, there's a handful of us who know each other and have met personally, Laura, Mike, in this room, Laura, Mike, Mike, if that's the WK, I'm thinking it is, WK, who else is in here from TS Illinois, right? And since we're able to do that, right, um, it's way easier to, you know, obviously form a small core group that's trustworthy. It doesn't mean that we don't have infiltrators. We've had a couple of situations just from the 
you know, yeah. dozen, or, dozen or so times in person that we've had a couple people and a couple incidences, but like, it's still way easier to, um, I mean, you still, anytime someone new comes in, you still got to kind of look at them now. It's like, you know, but it's, it's better to have more eyes than, than, uh, you know what I mean? Cause you can sort of use your search. Oh, each absolutely. Other. Absolutely. And I think I noticed again, just cause I like to, you know, just kind of zoom out and sit on a perch sometimes and like, look down from the 40,000 foot view like from various points in time because I've been the guardian of the group since February so oh my god almost a year wow it's crazy um and when we started meeting in person I noticed a significant decrease in like attempts to derail combos because I it almost seems like whoever's giving the marching orders on these you know groups or infiltrators kind of threw their hands in the air because they realized we were getting smart and not talking about as much important stuff in the chat itself. And we also decentralized. So we made subgroups. We, you know, have all gotten to know each other individually. So we have like direct conversations, you know, direct messages, text messages to, you know, coordinate in different ways. You know, we made it much more difficult for them to keep tabs um, and so, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see, and you could tell the frustration, especially cause those, the big influencer, influencer operations, like once we stopped making it easy for them to surveil us and like infiltrate, you notice that they kind of started to unravel. And that's when it started to become really obvious, like the synchronicity of all of these accounts, you know, when you're, you know, doing things in real life you know, and unplugging from, you know, this telegram matrix. Circle like back you, to circle back to yeah. grassroots, right? Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. It's, people will definitely be writing books in the coming years just on this topic and this kind of, you know, operation alone and like the sociological, psychological impact influences you know strategic like strategies used you know how the people were able to overcome it i mean it's it's actually very complex and very interesting and fascinating when you pick it apart um especially from a being you know someone overseeing a channel that went from we had like 100 people and now we have like 800 people um which is organic growth like that's how you know that our chat is you know, actual people for the most part. I mean, obviously it's really hard to clean house in a platform like Telegram because you, you know, don't want to kick people out that you, that very well could be real people. But, you know, I'd say you can tell, I think somebody said somewhere that 1% of, that it was like, if the comments on Telegram are not equivalent to 1%, of the followers it's typically an inflated account so like when you look at the big accounts and like their posts and if their posts only have like one or two comments and they have like forty thousand followers that, that's like, said a lot that's just weird like i mean just tori yeah. for example i mean she makes a comment and it's like anywhere from like 100 to 200 
people and there's only so many people in that group as compared to, I mean, I, I don't even know what the other ones have, but like you said, 80, 90,000 and like really one person commented on that. Come on. Exactly. Laura, so that's how you know. Laura, if I could interrupt real quick. Uh, yeah. For, for those of you listening to the replay, um, Laura is a guardian of TS, as Tori says. So she's a guardian of Tori Says Illinois group. And we've got a lot of people in that group in this particular chat. I want to tell you guys, you guys are doing great, great work, your group in particular. I've become friends with uh, MJ and I'm acquaintances with Mike. I am in uh, a Tory Says group out here in Washington State. And I was wondering, when, when we talk about infiltrators and um, kind of nefarious actors, I, I want to get your, your opinion on something that's more benign that I've seen in our uh, Tory Says group that's really bothered me. And I've seen it in a couple um, groups. And I, and I say it's benign because it might just be human nature. And I always want to avoid leaping to like infiltrator when it might just be, you know, somebody who's emotionally immature. Like, for example, what I can't stand about the Telegram groups is when people are spamming the chat with nonsense. And, you know, you're in a Tory says group and you're trying to talk about action items. You're trying to get things done and people are just posting random, you know, their culture war random memes and um to articles have you found that that's really hard to battle as you're trying to organize your group and admin your group it we did originally um the best way that we mitigated that was to directly call out like tag the person and basically just tell them give them a warning and say hey you know thanks for being a part of our group but just want to let you know, like, this really isn't just a place to be sharing random things. This is a very targeted activist group. Um, you know, if, if we see that you're doing this again, we're going to have to remove you. And it really nipped it in the bud. Um, people share okay. stuff like articles like now. And it's I'd say it's a good it's a good flow. Like, I think people sharing like news, um, relevant things every once in a while we'll get like a pointless post. But. I think for the most part, like, but really too, Laura, like, I mean, there's been a lot of times where we DM'd each other and said, Hey, do you know this person? Or, Hey, has, yeah. is this person DM'd you? Or especially when it comes to like, right before a meeting, you know, if it's like, you kind of have to use each other's assertions to, you know, decide whether or not to give out the address or, you know, and then you still have to do that when they walk through the door. So just to make that point. Yeah, we definitely had a sketchy character show up in a meeting and then had a very uh, odd occurrence happen after the fact. I can't say specifically what, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it seemed like there were people, there was a person that was asking odd questions. Is, is Mike on here? I think Mike was there that day and he was the one who notified me about it if Mike wants to Oh, was that the day we were outside? We were trying to... We were trying to go outside when it was a big meeting and then ended up going across the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so Laura, you you uh you are an attorney. Um yes. you're an admin on a Tory says group and you're a guardian, uh, which means um one step away from Tory herself. Um how have you dealt with the information fire hose? and swimming swimming through the sea of information and disinformation and you know it's it's really a struggle and what what have you done or do you have a particular story of 
of a time that you learned a lesson um, or developed a technique that helped you? You know, it's really been kind of just a journey um, of learning to listen. I mean, I'll say that from, I'm trying to think when I found Tori, because I had, I discovered who she was when I watched Shadowgate. I didn't realize she had a podcast. Um, Like, I think I saw like in, in the documentary, like obviously there's like clips, but it just, you know, I just, it didn't click for me then. So I never found her podcast until after the whole insurrection nonsense. And then like the inauguration, it was after the inauguration. I stumbled upon her podcast and just started listening. And I was still in law school at the time. And then I was studying for the bar. So like I had a little bit more flexibility in terms of just like hours. And I had a lot of times where I would just be able to listen to things while doing other things. So I would listen to her religiously, like every single day um, and was paying attention, like whether I I would listen to her either while I went to the gym or when I went running. Um, And I kind of just picked up on realizing that you got to listen to her, not only like present day, but I would also go back in time and listen to her episodes from years ago because you're able to then see the consistency over time. And like, you realize that, you know, she talks in certain ways um, at, you know, if you start to pick up on the patterns of certain episodes, like for example, you know, she'll either talk about really you could tell when she's telling you like raw real truth and that it's all but it's always at like a weird time in the episode it's at a time it's almost like when she knows there's no more infiltrators like on on there um you know whether it's at the very beginning very end somewhere thrown randomly like in the like two-thirds of the way through or something like that um i wonder if her dates i wonder if the dates that that she puts things out I mean, maybe it's been red stringed before. Has any significance in the two posts at all? I I would guarantee. I'm actually shocked, given the amount of Q people. I think a big part of like the reason why it probably hasn't happened is because the fact that Tori so much like got us to think outside of just like you know decodes and like just listening to information, like almost like a transformation of the psyche of like how we were interacting with this information but she also but I, mentions it enough to know that she totally is know, on the team right. totally was involved absolutely like beyond a sh- like there's no doubt in my mind it's just too consistent i mean she has been so on point in so many ways to, in in like a way that it can't be a coincidence and it's not even and, and it's not even you're looking for it it's like it comes and hits you upside the face you know where like you see when other people are literally like trying to look at an inkblot and make it into something like this. It's like you listen to her and she says things and they just click and you remember and you're like, holy shit. Like she, like she is, you know, either the best faker in the whole wide world or she's the real deal. And I, I just don't think it's statistically possible. She could be faking it at this point. Um, but yeah, she's, yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, long story short, it's really about listening to her and reading her articles and like getting the full picture and listening to old episodes and 
you know, I don't focus as much on the date stuff just because I kind of, I've moved away from the concept of specific dates because of all the conversations Tori's had about like, you know, time is not linear and that, you know, timelines and years and things have all been so What about that date she threw out tonight? Was that tonight or today at the beginning of her date she threw out 2776? Yeah. (laughs) That to me is wild. Um, I think that's so possible. The fact that it would be like a thousand years since the revolution or whatever, or like the timing of things. I don't know. It's crazy. It's wild. But I would believe it 100%. I th- I thought she was implying there that when she said calendars were changed, that it it was just using another calendar. That it wasn't some sort of tr- I, I I inferred something different from her saying that. I so, I really don't know what she was saying. I just was saying she threw that out there, and now we have to figure out what that means. Basically, so, I have noticed that there's been. If you guys follow, do you guys follow the Schumann resonance at yeah. all? No, that's that's red string to me. See, I've done enough research on it. Yeah, I've done Mm. enough research on it to know that it's definitely not red string. The frequency, like, I've done a lot of research into frequency and its impact on just, like, with the collective consciousness and all that jazz. Um, I'm not saying it's not real. And, of course, it can be measured, Schumann resonance. What I'm saying is I've had, I've, I've witnessed it where people are like, whoa, the Schumann resonance is off the chart today. And it's like, you know, I really. I, oh, well, they're using it to make us re- look ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, a lot of people like Xavier Hawk. He does his little, does his, he mentions the Schumann resonance in his, in his, um, in his thing. Um, so I, I guess I'm waiting to see something that's more verifiable uh, in the real world beyond um, theoretical. How it's um, actually, how it's actually affecting us. Basically, if yes. that's just sort of like like how it's actually affecting us for real, or like, if, like for, or I'll, I'll give you an, just thinking. I'll, I'll give you an example. For me personally, for some reason, the night before a full moon, I can't sleep. It's it's almost like clockwork. I I really have a sleepless night the night before a full moon. So that's very personal to me. That's my own perspective. If somebody could come in and they'd say, "Oh, here's the scientific reason for that." If somebody that was really into Schumann resonance could show me like the fluctuations and what they mean or, or show me some dates, I guess I would understand, but I've only seen people that start with as if it's a thing, they don't take the time to ever explain how it's a thing is, is yeah. my point. So from my understanding, cause I've also, I, when I first found out about it, I like, it was super hard for me to get it. Like I was like, I, I, I like got the concept, but I, to your point, like was like, okay, well, what, what does this mean? And so from my understanding is like for, you know, as long as this has been around, you know, the baseline frequency of the earth was something like seven point, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, like 7.5 something hertz, 5.8 hertz. Um, And it was like pretty consistent on that level. But like over the past, you know, decade or so and whatnot, there constantly was just elevating. The, the, The frequency was getting higher and higher and higher and and theory is is that it's you know with a collective consciousness awakening and in the sense of awakening you are inherently raising your frequency and the quantum theory behind that is that as the world 
in human beings are awakening more and more that we are essentially raising the frequency of the earth itself because we have this like symbiotic relationship with the earth and humanity. And so that's really, and it's by looking at the baseline from years and years ago and looking at the raising of the frequency again, like by that mean, sorry, by that meaning raising the frequency by that meaning, just being more aware and more conscious that things aren't, aren't always what they seemed and that we are, we are one, you know, one collective together. Love is the answer. That's what to me means your frequency is raising. You're just more aware. Your perception is, is deeper. Well, of I, things. I, that sort I, of thing. I didn't intend, I didn't intend for the uh, conversation to get into the woo, but that does follow with, you know, I've often said we are earth beings, we are earthlings, and we are products of the earth. And there's talk about the yuga cycle and ascension uh, going into this age of Aquarius, um, where the frequency is getting higher. So I, I do kind of, that's all wrapped into one, right, with human consciousness and connected to the earth as we ascend, um, reach some ascendancy. Um, so I get that. I guess I understand that a little bit. Now, Laura, when I asked you for the um, for the how you're taking the information firehose to the head, so you you straight up just talked about Tori. Are you getting most of your news from Tori, or um, are you going out and seeing seeing it in relation and, and verifying some things? Tell tell us about how you uh, take Tori's words because I I'm on a very similar path as you. Um, one of her most amazing shows, I think I even know the date, I think it was June 19th, she sent me down a mathematics wormhole associated with uh, the Feigenbaum constant and yeah. Mandelbaum. Oh, set yeah, that yeah. Just, that just, That's an I awesome mean, episode. Was, for weeks, I was, I was kind of, because it really spoke to me about the fractal nature of things and some of my uh, experiences with psilocybin. Um, and so... How how have you then? Because you only mentioned Tori. Where how are you applying that to the information firehose? Or are you not? Or are you not participating in kind of the information firehose? And you're just getting your your stream from Tori. So I go back and forth. Um, you know, I still follow a lot of channels. I I like got really particular about. You know, I've I've left so many channels. Just because I've started to realize, like, to your point where it's like, you're realizing like certain accounts are just regurgitating the same shit over and over again. And you're like, okay, well, this is just like mindless crap. Um, I'm going to unfollow it. And obviously sometimes I would end up seeing a post shared from a channel that I've unfollowed and then, you know, saw that, okay, they're, they are giving some content. Um, but honestly, I think for the most part, I've just take I, I, Tori's probably my most no, she is my most like consistent show that I listen to. Um, but I'll take, you know, topics that she comes across and I just kind of, as I'll, I'll be like perusing telegram and like, if I see anything that like triggers and reminds me of like a Tory conversation, I have like, I've created my own personal channels that are just private to me. And I just forward them to categorical channels. So like, I'll have a channel that's like my video archive for, you know, one topic or like coronavirus, like COVID channel, or, um, you know, just various things like sex trafficking channel. And so really, I just have done my best to 
if I'm perusing just to sort and filter and like send things to have like almost in like an archive for myself. Um, genius, so Laura. Wow. That's very organized. That's yeah. very organized. If, and, if you don't uh, mind, yeah. I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt. If you don't mind, if I, if I'm going to put you on the spot, um, MJ, is this your friend that was, uh, that you were in talks with about doing a telegram chat, um, to help people with, um, pro se, uh, what what it's yes. writs of mandamus? Um, Laura, I was I was telling, well, I was telling them about our latest conversation on Sunday about how you wanted to start with introducing everybody to that website. Could you explain? I wasn't I'm sure oh, exactly yeah. how to explain it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So LexisNexis and Westlaw are two. Uh, they are like the biggest legal research database websites out there that lawyers use. Law students are taught to use it. Um, paralegals, all that jazz, and basically like putting a law library on a website and it's you know it's actually like one of your part of your first year curriculum in, in law school is to learn legal research because there's like a very specific way to use the database i mean i'm sure people who use like search engines pretty well i mean like the the operators in terms of like the different you know, characters that you use to do certain searches are like pretty s consistent from my understanding across like search engines and stuff. But, um, you know, there's different tricks and, you know, best practices. And if you're looking for this, like, this is how you want to search, like l thinking of like search strategies of if you're trying to find, you know, if you're researching about like election fraud and you're trying to find like a statute, you know, there's different tricks and techniques that you can do to help yourself have access to all that information where you can get like in Westlaw, for example, like if you're looking up like the Help America Vote Act, you can go to the statute. And so basically, like, I want to be able to teach people how to just like go how to find things, because that's like the biggest barrier to entry. I feel like for so many really, really smart people who have all the smart smarts in the world and the and the hunger and the drive to do the pro se stuff but they just can't get over that hurdle because it's so frustrating you know i even think of and i do it for a living and there will be times when i can't freaking find a case you know to fit something that i'm looking for and it's one of the most frustrating feelings because you're just like i know what's in here i just don't know how to find it and you know so trying to teach people how to make that almost a second nature and be able to use that database, I think would be so powerful because once people know how to do the research, you know, and also like what they need to look for when they're trying to file lawsuits will help teach, you know, the, the parable from the Bible, you know, you teach a man to, or you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach him to fish, he'll eat for life. And so my thought process is to, give people the tools to know how to look up and educate themselves on the law and use the actual legal databases. Um, that's like step one. And then step two would be legal writing 101, which is basically, you know, some of the silly, stupid, you know, stuff that lawyers now like that it's second nature to us. But when you're in law school, you have to learn how to do citations so that your citations are accurate when you're filing things in court. Um, and citations are, basically what you know when you're pointing to um you know a particular case or a statute like we use blue book citation format for legal documents that's because there's like apa is you know a certain citation format that i don't know who uses what anymore but for legal stuff it's blue book and so teaching people just that alone 
is an invaluable skill that will make people, you know, be able to file stuff and not look like someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Cause 99% of like getting over that hump of the judge and even going through, cause like clerks look at the stuff first. So getting through the clerk to get to the judge, you know, um, is to make your stuff look legitimate. And, you know, and by that, I just mean things that would otherwise stick out like a sore thumb, like messed up citations, using the wrong font, um, you know, not using caption heading boxes that have like, you know, the specific ways it's supposed to look like with plaintiff first defendant, like stupid nuanced stuff that I think those two kind of talks that I could give to people would be very good beginning stepping stones to giving people the toolbox, because that I think is the only way out of this right now is there's not enough lawyers at all. And even aren't you guys the only constitutional lawyer um, firm left pretty much in the city of Chicago? Well, or one, well, or one of them. That. I'm the only I'm the only per, only attorney at Siri Glimstad in Illinois. So that would make me the only constitutional attorney in Illinois. God, I hope that's not true. I hope that's not true. Like, oh, girl. God help us if that's true. There's something bigger for you out there than just being, you know. Oh, I, right now. Trust I, me. yeah, I you sure hope so because well, we I'm just getting, have to pick a date for sure. Okay? Yeah. Well, I'm even getting I, frustrated because like my boss, like for example, sorry, I'll, I'll finish up real quick. Like my boss, for example, I sent him a bunch of arguments to challenge this mandate in Cook County in Chicago and was like, they were creative novel legal arguments because with this stuff, like it's with unprecedented things, you have to do unprecedented strategies. Like, a lot of the same everyday stuff is not working. We see that. And so basically, but he was like, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. That won't work. Basically shot everything down. And I'm like, this is what's the problem is because see, that's just a typical response from a seasoned attorney. It doesn't mean he's a bad lawyer. I mean, he's a great lawyer, but it just goes to show you that people have been in the field for a long time. You know, they've just been trained that like, you can't go out, you can't color outside the lines. You have to do things a certain way or else you're going to make yourself look stupid and they don't want to do that. And so they don't do it. And so I'm stuck because I'm an associate attorney. I'm brand new. And like, I can only do what I'm allowed to do because it's not my law firm. Um, so that's the frustrating thing and well, why I it's think, important. Yeah. I, I think that what you just talked about and the tools that you're willing to give people is so important and admirable um, that you're thinking about that. Um, MJ and I, in our in our partnership of working our platforms together, you know, the goal is to have meaningful content that helps people. And I I tell you what, you you were talking about me. Sometimes it's that first step that's so hard for pro se for filing anything, is is just understanding the ins and the outs because it's hard to get started. Uh, and oh, it so is. So your your talk might give somebody um, that is creative thinking or has the right case, your talk might give them the impetus and the knowledge to move forward. And I, I just think it's so important. And I, I really appreciate and look forward uh, to you sharing. Um, we're, we're well over an hour um, into this particular chat. Uh, I kind of told myself at the start, this is the very first one we're gonna be on every Wednesday hanging with hippie and I'll have a different theme for each show. Um, this one was, was all about the information fire hose and sifting through information and disinformation. Um, so I'm going to be wrapping it up very soon. If somebody does have something to say, I would say the most important thing that I want to leave this discussion with 
is what I talked about perspective and avoiding teams, avoiding the, the, the urge to jump and say someone's an infiltrator, someone's bad. It's all just information. And oftentimes, if you can see life from their perspective, you might see that they're not bad. They're just, they're just operating within their, their vision of what the world is. And it might help you. And then conversely, know your perspective. Know your own triggers. Know your own hot buttons. So that if you know that, sometimes you can take a step back and you can take a look at the situation from another angle something that might have frustrated you in the past or or maybe it may have led to mistakes well knowing why knowing yourself well enough then you might be able to move forward in seeking truth seeking the real information does does anybody else have a, a story they'd like to share or something that they would comment. like to interject yeah go ahead mike okay i remember you know we're talking about the information and the bots. Uh, this was from Silent Weapons for Secret Wars, where they wanted to get the activist people fighting each other on issues where whether they win or lose, it doesn't matter. It won't affect anything. So I think that's the game they're trying to get us to play with this diversions. And it's also what makes Tori good because she recognizes that and pulls us back on focus and very meaningful action. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I've always tried to avoid the culture war type narratives because it does seem like that is just set up and put out there um, just for the arguments, for argument's sake. Um, and and I think that, that those are very wise words. It's a good Good point. Silent weapons for secret wars. I think that's what you said. Yeah, I think that's the book's name. I'm going to have to write that down. And just as we finish, as um, one of the things I looked when I was tr when I was trying to organize this chat, and I was trying to think of my own personal journey of awakening, or just looking at Mockingbird Media. Um, one of the points that's very interesting in our timeline in our history is the WikiLeaks documents, because it seems like the WikiLeaks documents took somebody like myself that had always questioned government, that had always kind of seen um, nefarious things, uh, the government actually operating against the people. Um, and the WikiLeaks documents kind of gave, gave official evidence to back those narratives up. And it almost seemed to ramp people's awakening um, were the WikiLeaks documents and the inside information and seeing the emails and seeing the information that came out of that. They're like, no, you're not crazy. These people are plotting against you. And that really helped me kind of pierce through that veil of um, the Mockingbird media. And I, I actually believe that I knew about the WikiLeaks documents before I went back and kind of looked at the church commission from the 70s. So, you know, it's almost like all our lives, uh, the history books and the teachers, at least, the, you know, not necessarily the good, not the good ones, but they aren't going to go and tell you about the church commission. They're not going to tell you about the attack on the USS Liberty, right? We, we almost have to go find those through self-discovery. 
Um, it, there, there wasn't a, there isn't a college class that you take um, that, that's going to give you those points in history that uh, were never solved and never resolved because somehow we just moved along as a society. And I think that at this point, enough of us are waking up and we still need more numbers. We need more numbers because it's time to resolve those things that are unresolved, that are questions in our past. Um, Tori talks about the 2020 election. We have so many more things in our past. I absolutely want a new commission opened for 9-11 and I want the act, the real data uh, sifted through because I don't believe the commission that was gathered after 9-11 did a honest job. Um, and so that's that's one of the things that um, that I thought was an important moment in our truth and this fire hose of information that exposed a lot wasn't just Trump, it was those WikiLeak documents. And it's um, terrible that he is in prison for uh, basically nothing for, for telling the truth and sharing sharing whistleblower, whistleblower documents. Whether they were hacked or not, it wasn't Assange that hacked them. Uh, he was the one that published them. Uh, the New York Times has done that uh, thousands of times. I was about to jump in and say that exact same thing. I mean, that's literally, there's a Supreme Court case, the Pentagon Papers Supreme Court case is specifically on this topic that Yes. The third party doctrine of if you are given stolen goods like information, but you didn't steal it as a journalist, uh, you have every right legally to publish that information. You're protected under the First Amendment. But for some reason, you know, the and this is kind of sort of happening with Project Veritas, not so much that, you know, they have an easier time saying that they're media. But they're still getting, you know, that's an argument that, uh, you know, the I think it's the New York Times that they're suing for defamation, that that was something that they like came back with and said they're not like an actual media company. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. It's like the advent of social media created citizen journalists. So everyone should have those same protections, including Julian Assange. And no one's having that conversation. And it just blows my I mean, I. It doesn't. It blows my mind, but then again, it doesn't because it's like it, it, if we've learned anything, it's like how easily that the people at the helm of the media can really genuinely shape public opinion on a topic. Even people who are awake, in many ways, I even catch myself sometimes, like you know, having perspective shifted if I'm not like fully present and like you know paying attention as much because you know life happens and things like that and you can catch yourself being like oh crap like i don't actually think that like that's that's just what i've been seeing propagated but when i look at it this way you know wow so yeah and it, it, they they yeah. are the, they are the gatekeepers the the mockingbird media gets to decide who's considered media and that's that's being shattered and we all need to speak up to protect and support um, those concepts that you just talked about, because we are essentially all journalists. It's, it's seeking the truth. Um, isn't uh, there's this whole thing of mainstream media that's created? It's it's fabricated. That it doesn't exist. There is no foundational um, media, especially in this day and age where it's so easy to share information. 
And speaking of this, as we draw to the end, um, I am going to rebroadcast this on uh, the Conservative Hippie podcast. That's my podcast. You can search it on any podcast app if you want to check it out, the Conservative Hippie. Um, I know that Debbie's been in here a while, uh, nothing what it seems. Sage Mark just joined us. Uh, if anybody has anything they want to say, uh, please, that, that's what this is all about is um, challenging, um, discussing, uh, bringing something up that maybe somebody else hadn't thought about. Um, we're kind of in this together and we're all neighbors in some way. And that's what, that's what this chat is my intention is to um, create a discourse that helps people. Um, even if it's just to soothe some people's minds that we're not alone, right? And, and I am, I am a free, I think I put out on Twitter, I am a free man. I'm a United States citizen. I'm a Washingtonian born and bred. And I do not care for the vaccine. No, thank you. And that's all that needs to be said. And so if you're out there struggling in a blue state, you know, there's others like you um, behind the lines, we might say, um, you're not alone. And, uh, and look at all these people we've got in this chat from Illinois that are fighting so hard in such a known to be corrupt um, area that is Chicago. Um, I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, if yeah. we could do it, anybody can, because we, and yeah, we've got people um, from Chicago. Like, I'm from Chicago. I live in Chicago. And we have at least two others in our group that are active members that live in the city of Chicago. Um, and so if we can do it, and if we exist, people like us exist in your blue state, you just got to find them because people, it's getting over the hump of like getting people to come out of their shell because when you live in those states, it's so isolating. But let me tell you, connecting with people like MJ and Mike and all the other people in TS Illinois has been such a, it's literally changed my life and has changed the course of history for this state. I can tell you that for certain because we really are making I mean, the amendment of the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act, I would bet my left foot that it was done because of the writ of mandamus filed by the people in our chat that scared the poopy pants off of Pritzker, that he had to push our legislature to ignore 50,000 witness slips that opposed that amendment, and they had ignored it and did it anyway and yes it sucks that that happened but it goes to show you that the people when they organize and do things and file lawsuits can make things move and just because it didn't go our way this time it doesn't mean it won't go that way in the future we just got to keep fighting and keep pushing and the people are doing that so you know if we can do it in illinois you could do it in your state and you know it just takes getting outside your comfort zone a little bit Absolutely. Look at all the people that we have in this chat that are members of Tory Says groups. I'm a member of uh, the King County um, in Washington State, and I'm trying to revive my particular county to to bring it up and gain numbers. Um, if you're listening to this on the rebroadcast in the conservative hippie community, um, seek out Tori Says. Uh, she rebroadcasts her show for free on podcast apps all you gotta do is search tori says uh, if you want to watch her videos which i would recommend i think it's about 6.99 per month on twitch um that way you don't have to watch live you can watch live for free um but but check her out don't just listen to what you're told about tori says check her out for yourself and listen to the information it's by far the most valuable tool i've found um in years 
Um, she's giving a history class. She's giving a math class. She's giving a science class. Um, it's not just her talking. She uses other people. She's giving a political poli-sci class. Um, it's really a college course that Tori is providing for everybody. Um, so I would recommend they seek them out. And within that group, then you will find, if you join Telegram and you seek out Tori Says, um, you will be able to ask the right people and find your group in your area. And there probably is a group in your area and you might be able to meet up with them, real person, live, touch, hold, hug, um, just like I have, just like Laura has and MJ and Mike. Um, and it's, it's, it gives you strength to be around your neighbors um, that are going through the same thing you're going through. And so I would recommend everybody to do that. Um, all right, well, that was the first uh, Hanging with Hippie on a Wednesday at 717. We'll be back next week. And I wanna thank everybody for being a part of it tonight um, and come back and share with a friend if you want. Uh, the goal is to have a reasonable common sense based discourse that is helpful and supportive of everyone. So, any, and if anybody has anything they'd like to say at the end, um, I'm all ears. Thank you. All Jay. right. Yeah. Well, one thing you'll also learn from me is I'm quick to hit the hit the hang up button. So, peace out, everybody. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokeAndJays.com. Everything for your smoke and lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.